0: Wherever you are in the world, thank you for tuning in to this episode of The Badminton Podcast, a community for badminton players, by badminton players, proudly brought to you by Villan. We talk all things badminton and aim to inspire you to be better in your game and in life by celebrating the people and stories of our global badminton community, whether they be past or present professional players, social players, officials, or fans. We're your hosts, Jeff and Henry. And we love badminton. From the bottom of our hearts, we'd just like to say thank you to everyone who has listened to, shared, and been part of the podcast. It wouldn't be possible without you all. If you do enjoy our episodes and can spare just a couple of dollars each month, you can really help keep the podcast going by supporting us on Patreon. Just visit www.patreon.com slash Podcast. We'll leave the link in the description.
1: We're here live in the Netherlands in Arnhem here at Papendal, the Dutch Sports Institute. I'm Grainne Somerville and I'm joined today with Jeff Tho as the co-host. And today we will be interviewing Selina Peek, who is a Dutch badminton player specialising in doubles. She is a European Games gold medalist Two-time Olympian and has been ranked as high as seven in the world in women's doubles and 12 in mixed doubles.
2: Communication is key still. Talk to your partner, but also talk to the people who you trust and tell them. Tell them your insecurities and yeah, be, be open about it and don't feel bad of telling. Because if yeah someone else doesn't know your insecurities or your issues, then you can also not help them. Probably you will earn respect from people when you try to be vulnerable. It's also helping you later to perform under pressure. Like if you're already scared in your... It's not a comfort zone, obviously, but as an athlete, I think it's really important to, to step out of your comfort zone. Don't be scared of doing that. And also it's okay not to be okay. That's also something which is very important, like we're always aiming for... It's 100% and and I need to be the best version of myself. I need to be perfect. I need to work hard. I need to... No, we all have shitty days. And we all are, yeah, sometimes not feeling well or there are some issues. I don't know, your dog ran away whatsoever. But it's okay. It's okay not to be okay. Welcome, Selena. Thank you so much. And thank you for repeating that intro again.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, technical difficulties. (laughs) But Selena, thanks for joining us. It's been a long time coming. We we were going to interview you a few months ago, and we finally got the time today, which is great. And we are sitting with Selena in in Papandar, which is the national the sports center. And we've been hard at work. It's been really hot here, hasn't it?
2: It is actually. It's almost Australia in the summer. I would say. Mm, yes. Yeah. It's never because. been this hot. <laughs> like when I just came back from holiday, and I thought I brought the the heat with me, but. Was a lot better when I was in the south of France. I have to admit that.
0: Yeah. <laughs> and nah. being
2: relaxed on the beach. But yeah,
0: it's insane. Yeah, I was saying that when you got back, you look like you got a bit of a tan as well. <laughs> from Asia or from France? Not a bit, a lot. Yeah. I, a lot. It's it actually.
1: I think I, I have
2: got a little bit of a tan from Asia, but I haven't been in the sun as much. It's not that nice when you're practicing and when you're playing. So, but I worked hard on it in France. So. Okay. Because I'm also turning white pretty easily and. I really like me having a (laughs) tan. I look a lot more healthier. So, yeah, I'm pretty happy
0: with it. Happy with the tan. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. Well, Selena, we'll jump into the podcast now. Usually at the start of every podcast, we ask just about how someone like yourself got into badminton. Now, we've spoken to Robin Tubling, your current mixed doubles partner on the podcast before, but we'd always love to hear about how you, yourself, Selena, got into badminton at a young age and how your badminton journey progressed from there.
2: Yeah, it's actually quite interesting because I started pretty late, I would say, for the Netherlands. I was eight years old. Many of you think that's probably early, but mm-hmm. I, I really wanted to join earlier. But I think we had this club dynamics where you had to be eight years old. So before that, I was into swimming and gymnastics, which is also a pretty common thing to do when you're younger. And after that, I also really wanted to play soccer. But my dad didn't really thought that was a good idea because I was a girl and pretty small. So, Bampton it is. And um, I remember when I first got there, I loved it from the start, I think. And thought it was a pity that we only had one session a week on Tuesday. I think it was 30 minutes, maybe 60 minutes. But I really loved it. It was just my local club. I could walk to it. And I think at the first few years, I really, I don't think I had that much talent. I was just Really enthusiastic, and I love to play. And yeah, I think from that point on, I got better until I went to a different club where I could train a little bit more. And yeah, from that moment on, I think he could see, like, okay, she has some talent. I was not still, I'm not a very technical player, but I was pretty good with my footwork pretty quick. And that coach said, okay like the technique I can learn her but the footwork you can't really learn a player how to walk easily it's something you have or you don't so let her come in and then we will work on that and I think I got scouted for the national team around 13 or 14 but it was only after my parents got a phone call like hey do you have anything against the national team and we were like
0: what does that mean?
2: No. I think it, it was because… Politics. Um, yeah, and we had this you know, training group below the national team, and I got sent away because they thought that Selena will, is not good enough, she will never make the national team, but she is okay to train another year with us. And then my dad said, like, why are we going to pay so much money when you're not believing in her? Like, I'd rather have her having fun somewhere else. Mm-hmm. and, and have her fit in a group where people actually believe in her than letting her, yeah, sit here. And I I remember that talk. I was so devastated because obviously when you start playing, you really want to go to the national team. But maybe it helped me being even more eager to prove myself. And I think only six months later, I got that phone call like, hey, do you want to be in the national team or you don't? So yeah, that's actually like when I was pretty young. And then From the age of 15, I got the invitation to come to to Papanal, which is also very young because my family lives in Waze, which is a small city close to Amsterdam, actually. So it's about an hour from here. And I was like, oh, this is exciting. I can come to Pavanel, I can train with among the best players because at that time there was still... I missed out on Mia Odina, Mm -hmm. which I think is a shame. She was one of the big inspirations why I wanted to play badminton and why I wanted to go to the Olympic Games. So we had this small group of eight players, I think. We were invited to the national training center. And at the beginning, there was, all of this was not there. Like the restaurant was not there. We ate like over the buffet over there, which was really shit. But just because I was with so many people from my age, who we were in the age, I think from 14 till 18, it felt like I was on camp like <laughs> the entire year. Yeah. And obviously, things got a lot more professional from that moment on. Mm-hmm. Like you had physiotherapists, your seniors, where you were looking into. I went from four times a week training to two times a day and going to school back and forth. So it was a huge change. And I think that yeah, I was lucky to be in a group with very like-minded people, while at the same time, I was keeping the fun.
1: So. so you did your school here, or you, or you stayed at your old school? No, no,
2: no, because it's an hour away. Yeah. So I had to transit, like I did four years uh, high school there, and the last two years I did it here. Yeah. Which is a huge, yeah, change actually, because yeah. all my friends were back home. Still, so I was not there that much because, like, we were playing tournaments and I was training already quite a lot. But it's a different mentality here, so I never really felt like, hey. I belong here also because you come into a new class like we all know that and then you're also leaving so many times because you're either training or you're going on tournaments Mm. and you have yeah people who don't understand it Mm. and also I went there on a specific age where people are more going out enjoying life Mm. exploring alcohol those kind of things (laughs) so that didn't really mix like I was getting more professional and I loved it while my friends were Going out, having fun. Party. Yeah, exactly. So that was difficult, but yeah, I really had a clear mindset of what I wanted to do and where I saw myself in a few
0: years. Where did you see yourself? What was that mindset?
2: It was. I graduated at seventeen from high school, which is pretty young, and then I went to the university because I always said, like, "Hey, I want to have a diploma because badminton in the Netherlands is not big,
0: mm. not at
2: all." So. When I quit, or when maybe I get a serious injury, I don't want to go to study when I'm 30, for example. So I know that like a bachelor degree is three years, and you can do a master afterwards. So I was 17, 18 when I started that, and I obviously I couldn't follow all the courses. So I was like, okay, I can get one year extra, then I'm 21 when I'm graduating. And then I want to start preparing for the Olympic Games because I could see like the amount of work and time you had to put in. And I was missing some kind of trainings and I just didn't think that was the way to become one of the top players. Mm -hmm. So I graduated at 21 and it went very well. And from that moment on, we had a few changes. I started playing with Avia. We got a new coach and those kind of things. And I went to the Olympic games at 24. So my plan worked out pretty well until then. (laughs) But we can come in <laughs> to do that subject later. Sure. So that was actually my uh, a little bit of a long history, actually, about how I started and how young I was when I
0: started to play more. I know that you said you were doing swimming, right? And, yeah. And you like soccer as well or football. Yeah. After choosing badminton, did you ever want to try the other ones or regret or anything like that?
2: Not at all. Not at all. Because I was done with swimming because I remember I had to – Get up super early.
0: Yes, <laughs> super, weekend, super, early. super early. And I'm
2: not a morning person at all. So, and I had my diplomas, which I, I thought it was fine. But I remember I had to choose because I was playing a uh, competition. I was start playing the competition in badminton, and with swimming, you had the how do you call it? Match? It's not matches, but
0: but the carnival. Yeah, the competition mates. swimming. Yeah yeah.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, it was an easy choice for me. Like, hey. I've been doing swimming for quite some while, I've all my diplomas, like, I want to be a badminton player and, and see how it goes.
0: Yeah.
2: I can see you as a soccer player, though. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. I can see
1: that really easily. <laughs> I don't know why. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just, I don't know. yeah, yeah, yeah. And I still really like it, actually. I, uh, I think I see you kicking the shuttle around sometimes. Yeah. Maybe that's it. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> and I'm a lefty, which is
2: quite yeah. unusual. But you're not left-handed with your hand? I think I should have been, but my mom is a teacher. So when I was young, when I grabbed things in my left hand, she put it in my right hand because normally with the writing, my dad is a lefty. He was always writing over his own writing. Yeah, which is super annoying. Yeah. So like, oh yeah.
0: Did you ever wish you were a left-handed badminton player?
2: <laughs> every single day. <laughs> every single day. Like how shitty it is when you have like a doubles player. It's left, left and right, right combination. It's yeah. and plus. All left players are more skillful. Mm. almost all of them, unless you're Tai Su Ying. but...
0: Imagine Tai Ying left hand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I can't. <laughs> she can't get better at this.
0: <laughs> okay, awesome. So in your journey up until you reach the Olympics and you play with Evie, is it Evie?
2: Afia. Afia, so yeah.
0: in terms of the people that helped you along the way, were there any particular coaches? It's quite funny because we talk to a lot of people on the podcast and... We say, okay, who do you remember really helping you along the way? And a lot of the coaches, while they really appreciate every single coach, and especially the high-level coaches, quite often they'll reflect to when they were 10 years old. And one local coach who doesn't know that much about Badminton maybe told you one thing and you remember that for the rest of your career. Do you have a story like that at all?
2: Yeah, yeah. Also, when I was very young, I came to this club. And from this guy who found my dad, like... She can't hit the shadow properly, but she can run. I need to have her. And he was also very direct, saying things. I remember once we, I think we had to do some shadow stuff. And I was holding my records completely wrong. And he was, came to me like, how many times should I tell you to hold your record like this? The next time I'll grab something off my nose and I'll stick it on your hands so you'll hold your record right. And I was like, uh, oh my God, that's gross. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I just remember that story. I'm not sure if we did it. But yeah, he could be pretty tough, but he was so right at that point. So there's one story I, I do remember. Also, I also remember playing with seniors pretty soon. And I really liked run. So I, I always did everything when I was a youth player, but then I was playing with seniors and I had one guy who was playing with me. He's like, if you go back one more time in mix, I will kick your ass sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> like, okay. So oh it seems
1: like the the Dutch people around you are very extreme. Like <laughs> they, they are. force you into doing the right thing. Like you have no other choice. But I need to because yeah, otherwise I will need. do the other yeah. thing. Yeah, yeah.
2: so I think that's, that's something that's working for me. I've been noticing that from other coaches as well. I, I really like a more direct approach. Mm. Please tell me what I'm doing wrong. Mm. And it can also be on a, maybe not so nice way. Yeah. And I can reply back also not in a nice way. <laughs> But,
1: but the, the outcome will be a nice a nice thing. <laughs> exactly. It will take less time to
0: yeah. so get to the outcome.
2: Exactly. Because yeah. otherwise I will get so furious.
0: And then in your journey as well, you've obviously achieved so much so far and hopefully a lot more to come. But if you're going to look back, what was the most memorable moment for you so far in your career?
2: I think it's probably stealing the second set at the Rio Olympics with Aoife in the quarterfinals. We lost the first set against the Koreans, and then we were down like 2016, I think, in the second one. And then we ended up winning that one. It's like, oh my God, we're (laughs) going to win this. Yes, we have them. They're meant to be broken. They were not, but... (laughs) 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 But but I I remember that feeling of being so close of fighting for a medal and really having that feeling, because we always said, like, we dream of participating at the Olympics. But I actually, I was doing Mm -hmm. more than that because I was actually playing with them and we actually had a shot of playing for medals. And I remember that feeling that was super cool. So yeah, and my family was there as well. So that helped a lot. And I remember a lot of people were cheering for us. And normally it's for the Asian players when we're in Asia because Mm -hmm. badminton is a lot bigger there. So it's one of the most memorable matches. And of course, winning uh, the European games with Cheryl. It's yep. also pretty memorable because no one expected that. I don't think we did. <laughs> yeah, we had a, a tough preparation coming up that. And we also had a, a huge fight, but we had a disagreement right at, before the tournament. So if you would have asked like any of the Dutch players, like, do you think they will get a medal? <laughs> no one would have said yes. But somehow we found our way into it. and. Yeah, we played uh, a
1: lot of great matches there. Mm. Sometimes it's like that when there's like the expectation goes or something, yeah. then you can just have a totally different mindset and ease of playing, yeah. and yeah, you just end up exactly. It also un- helped that I think when we played the final
2: that Lauren and Chloe were doing so well, so mm. I think they went in as the favorites. And they uh, had the pressure, yeah, yeah, because I also put the pressure on them because I was saying all the time, like oh, they're playing so well. <laughs> the pressure is on them. And I also remember that I wasn't thinking about winning at all because we lost the first set. I was just, okay, let's let's go. Let's try our best and make it a good game. And then the second set went really well. And then the third set, we were down like this with 9-3. And then we were up like 49 or something like that. And at a moment, I was, oh my God, <laughs> let's go. <laughs> yeah. And I, I remember that Cheryl was surfing and she was constantly asking, like, hey, should I serve? Do your thing. I will, I will have the rest. And I well, really like—I I really like her surfing because it's her safe zone. And yeah. I'm a little bit more scared, but I would say I, I rely on other things. She's really relying on the surf. Mm. Like, okay, keep doing what yeah. yeah. you're doing because it's working. Yeah. So I think all that together, um, yeah, the emotions that came out at that moment, also for me because I was going through a tougher period after that. Finally, had some like, okay. I'm still able to win some good matches. Mm. And that confirmation was, was yeah, something I really needed at that time. So do we want
1: to talk about that period now?
0: Yeah, sure. So you've obviously you've done a lot in your career so far. Like I said, Selena, you were like top 10 in women's doubles. Yeah. And then you were previously top like 15 or top 12 in mixed doubles. And then you basically had to repeat that all again with a new partner. So you're not quite in the top 10 for women's doubles. But getting close as well as your mixed doubles as well so in terms of changing partners what's the process that you had to go through and how did that go in
1: in appearance mm. so this was all right after the Rio olympics was it in 2016 that everything started to change yeah because like me and Avia and me and yako were yeah
2: here very high high energy high expectations feeling well we are on the top of our careers And then I got home and I was already struggling with a foot injury, but I didn't thought it was that bad. But we got home and we had some weeks off. So the fishers were not there. Our coach stopped because he went back to Denmark. So it was a really weird period in like, hey, what are we going to do? Where do we need to go? AV was contracted with Jonek, so we had to play the Japan Open, which is pretty soon afterwards. So we went there and I remember that my foot didn't feel great. Mm. felt actually really bad. So I texted the physios back home, like, Hey, we need to have some kind of scan because I can't play on like this. And there was some pressure from home because the Dutch open is right after that in October, and then you start this whole European cycle tour. Plus me and Avi were still in the run to qualify for the world two finals, which is as a badminton player, mm. super nice to do. So, there was pressure from a lot of sides also because at that time our main sponsor decided to go in another direction. So, yeah, we kind of lost our, our main sponsor. Our coach went away. Yeah, and I was suffering from my foot injury. So, I got that scan and I actually had ruptured my some kind of tendon under my foot, which was really bad. But because there was no coach and we were in a transition of all kinds of things, there wasn't a real plan like, hey, can we play the Dutch Open? Can we play this? Can we play that? We are constantly trying to get me ready, and and that took way too long. So I remember me playing the first match in May after that, almost a year later. And it was a constant struggle, like, hey, okay. I even got a measured like an, an iron boot at the hospital, because at one point I said, like, you can't walk on it anymore. Because The whole process was really weird. It went super slow. Nobody knew exactly what it was. No one knew exactly when I was getting back. And at that time, I was super, I would say, depressed. Because it's pretty hard from being up here. Like going, yeah, in, in your darkest times. And I'm a person who doesn't. At that time, I really didn't want to speak about it. I went back to my apartment all the time. I Like my day was done at 9.30 when I've seen the videos. And that's pretty long days at that time. Mm. But then in in May, I thought we were going finally in the the right direction. So me and Afia played the tournament and we were supposed to go to America, Canada after that. And then two weeks before that, she told me that she was quitting. And that was a huge blow. Like, oh my God, I'm finally on the right path of getting back. And as you heard before, I'm quite a planner. Like I could see myself Mm. like a Tokyo, those kind of stuff. And I could not see me doing that with anyone else at that time. So that was a huge blow. And, and it was really out of nowhere? Or for been me, it like... was. Okay. For me, it was. I knew she was struggling with her shoulder, of course. But I, I thought we
1: had like this mutual or silent agreement. like yeah. And she hadn't like dropped hints of being like, oh.
2: No, because I maybe know. I was also very busy with myself mm-hmm. at that time still. And I wasn't at training that much as I used to be. And so I was also mostly focusing on myself more. because mm. mm. like, hey, I want to get back in that top shape and, mm. and so on. So that came out of a huge blow. And then I, I went into a panic mode, like, okay, I need to find a new partner because I need to play two disciplines because doubles is my best one. So I need to go on. So actually, they gave me the choice of who I wanted to play with. And I chose Cheryl because I could see that she was, yeah, she had potential to be a, a really good player. But because I made that choice in such a rush, and I was not really happy with myself either, I also put her in a very tough position because she was a lot younger, very inexperienced. And she probably looked up to me a lot because I I experienced quite a lot back then already. But I had no room of seeing all those things. And also no one to talk to because we still, we had a new coach, but... You didn't really know them that well. And- exactly. And he even didn't know me that well. So there was not any room to, to talk about all these feelings. Mm. So I had a lot of feelings that weren't, yeah, it didn't express them. Mm. So in in it was, I think, back then in December. Actually, me and Cheryl started really well. We won the Belgian uh, International. But I really mm. felt super lonely, super down. I didn't have any motivation going to all. And I remember that coach at that time kind of forced me going to Italian International. And I was like, I'm about to break. I'm about to explode. I need to get away. Like I wasn't sleeping at night. I was up to 4.30 each night. I was not treating my body well. I was pretty skinny at that time. I remember that. So I was really low in energy. And I really thought I, I had to be skinny because if I put on weight, I will maybe get my foot injury back because it was still in my head. And sometimes I even had the pain again over there were you still playing mixed with Jakob this whole time yeah, yeah i was i was but things weren't going as smoothly as, as yeah it used to be so in december i actually told our nrc like hey i need to talk to someone because i'm not going in a in the right direction i also talked to my parents like hey mom and dad let's go away i need to go somewhere but i need to go away from path and and i'm glad i got the permission doing that and my dad directly said where do we go?
0: Now, just a quick word from our sponsors. The Badminton Podcast is brought to you by Volant. Volant was first born out of our frustration with the confusing, bright and unsightly clothes and equipment that we saw in the badminton world. But now it's so much more than that. Our mission is to accelerate the growth of badminton by providing players with products that enhance their love for the sport. All in all, it's high-quality gear that makes you look and feel great on and off the court. So make sure you check us out at volantbadminton.com and follow us on our socials at Volant Badminton.
2: And we went to Bali for 10 days, which was super nice. It rained the whole time, but it didn't matter. <laughs> My parents never been to Asia before, but they heard me raving about it all the time. And my mom is working in uh she's a teacher, so it's pretty tough for her to get free outside of the, the school holidays. But but she went to her director and he's like, Go, you need to be with your kid. And I remember that time, it was the first it sounds really religious, but kind of lightness in the dark, like, hey, I didn't have to think about badminton It was super nice traveling to Asia and not having to worry about the jet lag or mm. or being able to perform there or have your suitcase half full of them exactly exactly like i could fully enjoy like going out for dinner didn't matter if i was up till three or four because i didn't have to play anyway Mm. so that was a huge change in how i was feeling and i got the help that i needed afterwards so I, i went on talking to a psychologist and yeah i would say that i was also A very hard partner for for Cheryl, but also for Jaco. It's pretty hard for myself, but also hard to play
1: with. In what ways were you hard to play with, like your attitude or
2: Yeah, because I was feeling so down and so negative. So I had no room for their feelings or
1: Mm. the Sane perspective or something. Yeah,
2: and also because with Jaco, I was on on, he knew me a lot better, so Mm. we could talk about it. So he was there for me, which was really nice. But with Cheryl, she, yeah, it was hard for her mm. and also hard for, for us. And we had a really tough start of the partnership. And I think both of us thought a lot about quitting with each other because it was not fun to play with each other. Mm. But yeah, somehow I started working on myself. She started to work on herself. And I think gradually we, we started to, and that's what I was saying, this 2019 win was really like a, some kind of crown like, hey, we are able to, to play along with each other. And this is something, like, I'm very proud of the results I've made. But I think I'm even more proud of this whole process mm-hmm. we've been through. Because that was so much harder than yeah. qualifying for Rio. Yeah. Qualifying for Tokyo was from a complete different
1: level. Yeah. Mm. And nobody, like, knows this stuff about you as well. They're like, oh my gosh, you've gone to the Olympics. Well, wow. And you're like... Yeah, you have
2: seen all those nice places yeah, in the world, yeah. you're traveling, oh, you you go to work every day just to play some badminton. <laughs> yeah. Like, you don't know that we're up in the night because something is feeling not right in your mm-hmm. body, or when you're down or depressed, or when you're having a birthday, or your friend's birthday, you're missing out so many things, mm-hmm. which is all worth it in the end. But also, we are humans, we mm-hmm. have difficult times as well. Mm-hmm. And I think you experienced as well, you've
1: played with Papassa, yeah Before it just sounds exactly like your story yeah it's, it's tough of out of the blue and especially like for us we don't have that many players that are coming through so like you i'm a planner and i could just like after the tokyo olympics i thought our trajectory was just going to go up like i improved a lot in my training during the pandemic and so i had this vision of like what we were about to achieve and then just the dream was gone and i'm like what well, do I do? What do I plan? Like, what's I, next? What's the path? Yeah. Yeah. So it was really hard to find a, a new motivation as well. And yeah, everything. I struggled with that a lot as well. Are you talking to someone? Have you been talking to someone? This guy here, Jeff. Hey, <laughs> him. <laughs> no, I have I'm good coaches. I've talked to, yeah, and the sports psychologists and yeah, all the people around me who kind of know badminton as well or who don't know badminton have been really good and. Yeah, I guess like you kind of just needing to come back to the enjoyment of Birmingham and also like goals outside of performance. For me, one of my goals is just to be the best player I can be and that's something I can control because as a doubles partnership, you're so reliant on someone else. But when I don't have the opportunity to do that with someone else at a certain time, then at least, you know, if I've improved a skill or learned something new, then I can feel like I'm progressing myself. Yeah, that's a very very good advice actually
2: <laughs> because yeah, yeah it's what are you saying like I, I went to the psychologist a lot of times and i always walked away with like hey it's me <laughs> it's me who done wrong because i had certain expectation about someone else mm. so i'm feeling down about that but let's focus on the things you can control actually mm. and and in some way i really like the selena i was before everything happens because you're like Free and you are not thinking so much about stuff because mm. I can also be a, an overthinker, I would say. But on the other way, I have learned so much more about myself because I had to look deeper in myself. Like, hey, why I'm responding like this? Mm. Why do I get agitated so much by someone's actions or whatsoever? So I think all those lessons are super valuable. But the way I've been through it's horrendous. <laughs> yeah, but. In some way, it's, it's nice if you can look at it like, hey, what did I gain from it instead
1: of what did I lost? Our coach used to say, like, every experience, you're like putting it in your backpack, yeah. which is, you know, just filling up with stuff that then helps you throughout life, throughout your next badminton natural every experience is, yeah, yeah, adding value. Exactly, but my dark experience, I was like, my backpack is super full. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want
2: anything more in it now. <laughs> yeah. So I could totally get that. Maybe you should get a Dutch citizenship, <laughs> but I think it's something that all small associations are struggling with. And yeah. And players, mm-hmm. it's tough. And so also I always compare like partnership to a marriage, mm-hmm. because like I'm seeing them more often than I'm yeah. seeing the people back home. Yeah. And we're all different, and different personalities, and yeah, that's what I was feeling the most when I changed partners. Like, wow. Like with me and Robin, it clicked right away because I also switched to Robin after playing with Jaco, which was also for me pretty tough to make the decision because I've been playing with Jaco since I was 14 and it resulted in him quitting after a few months. So I felt pretty bad about that, but I knew that, yeah, I made, and especially now when looking back, I had to make the decision for what's best for me, but also those decisions are not always
1: nice to make. Mm. Yeah and get the blame from from people. Mm.
0: Yeah.
1: So how did you find it then like starting with, I guess, more inexperienced partners and, you know, maybe their level's not there or sometimes like the relationship you have is a bit of mentoring, coaching aspects. Whereas before you and Effia would have been 50-50 kind yeah. of, yeah, like for me, that dynamic is a bit weird to figure out when I partner some of the young girls and i like like, I get frustrated with the level of the game in a way, the way they're training. And then I'm like, oh, should I like coach them a bit more or will they get annoyed at me? Like, do I let the coaches jump in? That kind of stuff.
2: It's hard to find a fine line in that. Also because everyone is different. So player A really wants to be approached like this. Player B wants to be approached like this. And I am pretty direct. And I know that I can say things in in a not so nice way every now and then. (laughs) (laughs) A little bit harsh. Yeah, very harsh. But that's also something I, I had to go through also with my partners. Also with Avia, for example, we went to a psychologist together, like, hey, but if you feel offended by her, maybe you should look at yourself. Like, why do I feel offended? Because Selena doesn't mean it like that. And that's something I, I try to tell others as well, also at practice. Like, hey, I just want to make you better. I'm sorry. I'm, I don't really have a good filter now and then. I'm also working on that. But... Yeah, trust me. Just trust me that I'm doing the best or I'm trying to, to do the best yeah, for mm-hmm. you. So speaking that out is helping a lot, obviously. And also to show my vulnerable side because I haven't been doing that for quite some time because I've been among the, the best players in the Netherlands for quite some while. So And I also learned to be tough because I didn't want that the others saw my insecurities because... Like, hey, I don't want to mm. lose to them or that they're making use of it. Yeah, mm. yeah. But I actually learned that it's okay to show that as well and also to show them that I'm human to make things a little bit more approachable. Mm. But mm. I think it has always been inside me to be that mentor a little bit because I think I was also mentoring Avi a little bit more. Okay. And actually, I'm quite excited to see how that's going to be now with Cheryl and, and Deborah if yeah, she has learned. Yeah, exactly. Mm. To, to step up. Because that's also something, like at some point, they need to step up as well. Mm. But I struggled with that dynamics too, because you also have a bad day every now and then. And you don't want to be the one who's constantly giving and giving and giving. So I think it's all about finding a good balance in that. Because if the balance is out, it's also not a healthy relationship. And that's something with... And maybe you're telling them as well, like, hey, you can also give back to me because I'm also still learning. And it also shouldn't be like when we're coaching that we're just talking to you because you might get the feeling that you're doing everything wrong. And mm, yeah, I'm not perfect either. So I think that's that's super important to, to do when you are going into a new partnership, like getting to know each other and also yeah, know your own strengths and, and weaknesses. And don't be scared to tell them. So that's, yeah, something I, I learned along the way. Mm. But it's hard to do that when you're not feeling well.
1: Yeah. yeah.
2: So that's why I think it's, yeah, it took me a long time to be that mentor.
1: Yeah.
2: Because Ruth also asked me to be that mentor. And I was like, I don't want to be a mentor. <laughs> I have been too busy <laughs> focusing on my own shit <laughs> to be looking after others. I don't want to do that. Yeah. Yeah. But I think it's also a natural process. Like, hey, you're getting older. So it's also time to give something back. But it shouldn't be yeah, that you're only
1: the only one who's giving back. Yeah, you know. Like you still need support every yeah. now and then. And exactly. You can still learn. And yeah, can, yeah. And I also can eager teach you to learn. Yeah. yeah.
2: Because if I have the feeling I'm going to work and there's nothing for me to learn anymore, why should I go to work? Mm. Then it's getting this routine is getting way too boring, and I need some kind of things to look out to and to get me triggered. Yeah. That's why I was saying, maybe I like it a little bit more direct or people saying, like well, you will never make it. <laughs> Hell no. <laughs> yeah. But if you say that maybe to another person,
1: then you can really get them down and they're not standing up. Mm. I guess with the new partnerships that you start and the younger partners you had, how much like, doubt creeps into your mind sometimes at those points where maybe you're not playing well or you don't know, like if you made the right cho- choice with Robin or Yako, those kind of things. Does that creep into your mind very much? Or you're like very you have a lot of faith in, you know, where you'll end up and that kind oh, of Oh no.
2: Thing? I I was very insecure. Like I'm I'm uh how do you call that? My my uh sign is uh a, a Libra. So it's all about balance for me, but I can also like in some way I really know, okay, this, this and this I'm going to do, but in another way I'm like, what should I eat? <laughs> I don't know. Like I can be totally in panic mode. And that's also what I have on court, especially after being so well playing before and with that injury it makes you insecure Mm -hmm. it made me doubt a lot of things i also doubt myself like hey will i get back to the old level and also when i made the choice of playing with robin is it going to be the right choice i didn't know Mm -hmm. but i know if i was not going to make that choice we would have gone on the same path and that's something i didn't want to go on so i Trust myself. I trust the process and I, I trust myself to take that leap. And I'd rather have me fail by making a choice that could see me going in some direction than of not doing things. Yeah. Like I'd rather regret something of doing it, Yeah, of regretting of not doing it, and then ask yourself the question, like, what if? I think that's worse. Yeah. Of failing.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think it comes down to the fact that if you don't make a choice, that's also a choice, right?
2: Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And choices are pretty important for me because yeah. otherwise I'm I'm going to think and yeah, go on in this negative spiral, I would say. And something and, needs to change. Yeah. And we all yeah. know like a change sometimes yeah can be good. As for you guys coming here and, and step out of your training regime, it's it's super nice sometimes. Mm-hmm. Going somewhere else, seeing different routines, mm. playing with different partners, even playing with different players. That's also something what I just came back from Malaysia and I noticed that. Like in the Netherlands, if we're playing games or when we're doing stuff with rules, we're always going with our partners. But I played with so many other players there. They were like all records together, which is super nice because you're also with 20 plus players. But it's also very good in doing that because I'm learning some stuff else from them. And and that was also one of the reasons why I always wanted to play in a league where none of my partners played in the same team Hmm. because I wanted to learn like, from the difference has also helped me getting this mental sharpness i would say do you have that same when you're playing with someone else or do you like that or do you rather stick to playing with your
1: partners i feel like for my doubles i get frustrated when i don't know what's happening like when you're getting mixed up or you're like yeah oh that was yours but you didn't take it or those kind of things so i like to play with partners but yeah it's fun to mix it up every now and then especially if you're at another country and their players are so good. It's cool to like yeah, yeah, yeah. play with them and feel like what that's like to have someone like that on your team.
2: Yeah, exactly. Because it's so natural for them to play. Mm. Mm. Like I almost died there because we had to train at 7.30, so I had to be there at seven, which is not my kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> but, <laughs> but then we also had to train for like three hours in a row, of course yeah. with breaks yeah. in between. Jesus. <laughs> I will break down before the Malaysia overstarts. <laughs> but but yeah, so it was super nice. Like here we're doing intervals for one and a half, two minutes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They're like, okay, two against one. Fifteen. Seven minutes.
0: That's pretty good, actually. Yeah, I good. no. They
2: have day. 20 minutes. 20 minutes huh? so. Oh yeah, that's that's wow. <laughs> I I like mentally I can't handle that. But but yeah, it's it's a good experience every now and then, stepping out of your comfort zone. Yeah. So I, I really like that.
0: Okay. Well Selena, so, you know, with everything that you've learned in the process of switching partners and looking back and what you know now, if there was someone listening to this podcast who was a young Cheryl or a young person that's maybe filling some bigger shoes, playing with a more senior player, what advice or what would you tell them to, to kind of hear your side of the story as to maybe where the senior player is coming from and maybe what they can do from their side as the younger, less experienced player?
2: Yeah, I would say like communication is key still. Talk to your partner, but also talk to the people who you trust and tell them. Tell them your insecurities and yeah, be be open about it. And don't feel bad of mm. telling because if yeah someone else doesn't know your insecurities or your issues, then you can also not help them. So I think it's okay to and yeah, know that it's okay to be insecure or to have questions or yeah don't feel well because I I have not really be in that position. So it's hard. I remember coming to the seniors and I was like, okay, I was super nervous as well and super insecure, but I was like, okay, I'm going to show them that they can't look around me, like that I'm here. I didn't want to hide myself. Mm. And that's just the way I think you need to, yeah, go through it. And if you're too scared to talk to your senior or whatsoever, find someone you're okay to talk with and and ask for a conversation with the three of you. Also trust the process. Like, hey, how do you, we In Dutch, we say We arm it, like admire it and try to learn from it as much as you can.
0: Hmm. I think it's a big one because as a young player, you're often scared to speak up. And then if you speak up, you might be scared that maybe that opportunity to play with a senior player will be taken away. Yeah, and or you're that saying will, something stupid. Or, yeah, or saying they will something laugh stupid. Or, yeah, 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 yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. I totally understand that. Like Maybe you should first look a little bit from the sideline, but know that it's okay and that people... Probably your own respect from people when you try to be vulnerable and to actually, yeah. I, I really like when, when also young players like see their point of view, Like, okay, maybe she has a point or maybe not, but still she is, yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah, she's grabbing her opportunity and, and saying something like, hey, okay. I also, when some youngsters are coming and they're trying to speak up or trying to do the right things, I'm like, okay. Cause it's also helping you later to perform under pressure like if you are already scared in your it's not a comfort zone obviously but as an athlete I think it's really important to to step out of your comfort zone so that's also something I would like to say don't be don't be scared of doing that and also it's okay not to be okay that's yeah. also something which is very important like yeah. we're always aiming for 100% and, and I need to be the best version of myself. I need to be perfect. I need to work harder. I need to... No, we all have shitty days. Mm. And we all are, yeah, sometimes not feeling well or there are some issues. or I don't know, your dog ran away whatsoever. But it's okay. It's okay not to be okay. But it's super important if you have a bad day and you know like, okay, I can reach 60%. Try to get to that 60% because if players around you can see you're trying your best... Then you have so much more empathy for them. Yeah. And that's also what I'm trying to do now. Like we have this super nice wellness system. And also I'm trying when I feel like, oh, I'm struggling today. I try to tell my my colleagues around like, hey, I'm having a shit day today. Can you please help me? And then being more supportive or, yeah, being a, yeah maybe a little bit more relaxed of me doing not so well. But because if you don't say those things... I can get probably very angry.
1: Hey, why is she not doing, uh, what is going on? Yeah. And I think sometimes because, like, at training, I obviously notice that you're the one bringing the encouragement, the intensity, like, when, when doing drills, you're, like, saying, come on, girls, or, like, yeah, keep going, that kind of thing. Yeah. But then if you're having a bad day, you're working, you're not doing well, and they're not used to doing that for you, then... You're just like, oh, like I suck. They, they, like, no one's trying to help me be better. They don't care. Yeah. Yeah, Because you're always in that position where you're pushing them. So I guess them knowing that you're not having a good day and having the confidence to step up and like try and support you as well is something that can help the whole training environment.
2: Yeah, exactly. And it can also make them maybe feel good about themselves. Like, hey, I was able to help Selena today. Mm -hmm. Like, can help you also grow in confidence. And I think that's super important because confidence is everything think when you're an athlete. Mm-hmm. We all notice that. Like you can like you can be here and then you hit two shitty strokes and it's gone. Yeah and you're like why do I play badminton? <laughs> yeah.
0: Like, <laughs> should I retire now? I, I should,
2: I should <laughs> stick to st- soccer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So yeah and also trying to set that example. So it's nice that you're noticing actually mm-hmm. but also I also like it when people are helping me and be be positive and I yeah. come on girl, keep it up. And maybe you're running a little bit harder for that shot. Mm. And you might think like that one shot, what is what is worth it? But in the end of the day, at the end of the week, at the end of your career, it might be that one shot. Mm. So I think that's a, that's a very good mindset, I think, to have. Mm. And also to show the young
1: players, like, hey, come on girls. Yeah. Yeah. One time at training, I was having a bad day, but I was still encouraging others. And then yeah. it was my turn to work, and I was—they were just like smashing through me, whatever. And then I got angry at them for not encouraging me. I was like, "Guys, you need to help me. <laughs> I'm like, encourage me. I encourage you." And they're like, "Okay." okay.
2: <laughs> and I was super forced, like, yeah. "Come on, come on." <laughs> but I think it's—it's it's good that you're speaking up. Like, I, I would have done the same, and probably I would drive home. I think I should have said that different but <laughs> but still it's like it's good for them to know that we're also human mm, yeah and that is something what people tend to forget every now and then okay like, hey, i also have feelings i also want to cry in my bed sometimes
1: yeah come on i have one technical question for Ooh. you so your defense is a wall and you can <laughs> <laughs> doing driving drills with you yesterday you can pretty much block with such good quality from any position. What are your like, favorite drills that got you that wall defense?
2: <laughs> <laughs> it's actually, I think, two at the net, and at me, the net. me in defense. Yeah. And I also really like that we're doing two players at the net. like They're going from above the net, and I'm in, in defense position from the middle. So they play around my body, but they're also allowed to block to the sides. Mm, so you have to move. So I have to move and have to be ready. Like also when my quality is poor going to the side, it's helping me not to stand too far in defense. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Because we also know like sometimes when you're doing those drills, like you can go back and more back and more back. And I always like these kind of things where I have some kind of focus on things. Mm -hmm. So I always try to play the net as, as well a lot moving forward because I need to be challenged in exercises. Yeah, Because my opponents will do that as well. Like, if they would see me doing some kind of favorite strokes, then they would directly kill me the next time for that. So those are my, my favorite
1: exercises. Okay. I'll add them to the... Oh, you can add them to the training program, <laughs> can, Yeah, Yeah, we, we can do them tomorrow. Just one, one week and I'll be at her level, you reckon? <laughs> yes. Yeah,
0: like, come
2: again. Come yeah, again next time. We can do them. Yeah, 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 yeah. I would love to. <laughs>
0: okay. I think we're gonna start wrapping up here. Is there anything else that you wanted to mention while you were here with us today? Anything we haven't asked you that you thought we should have?
2: I think I've talked a lot already. I am not sure if it's very interesting. (laughs) I hope it's interesting.
0: I think it's very interesting.
2: But no, I I would like to thank you guys for inviting me because I really liked it. And also thank you for for opening up as well. Uh, It's just nice to know that, yeah, we are struggling from the same issues every Mm -hmm. now and then, Mm -hmm. which is super normal. But we, we... Not spoken about between countries. No, no, no. What I've been saying, you really want to be that strong-looking person, especially when you meet again on court. But it's really nice to have the feeling like, hey, she's actually human. Yeah, Yeah. because I remember (laughs) you were too afraid to ask me for the podcast the last time. Yeah. (laughs)
1: I was. <laughs>
2: That's so cute actually. <laughs> Sorry I had to I mention it. I thought that. you were a busy girl and oh, I, don't I don't know. I thought it was because my, my resting bitch face <laughs> <laughs> didn't make me approachable. <laughs> Which is also sometimes the thing I, I walk into.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> so I'll put that to myself, it's not you. <laughs> no.
0: Okay, so if there's any listeners out there who would like to follow your progress and how you're going. What's the best way that they can follow you?
2: I think via my Instagram. Mm -hmm. And it's my first and last name, Selena Peak. I try to be active there, but I'm not super good in using social media. But uh, I try to to show every now and then a glimpse of what I'm doing. So I would love to gain more followers (laughs) and to to show a little bit more about my life.
0: Fantastic. So we'll put Selena's Instagram handle in the podcast description so that everyone can follow her. And once again, from myself and Grainne, Henry, who's back home, who is usually my co-host, and the badminton community listening, thank you so much for coming on.
2: Thank you once again for the invite. I had a good afternoon, so thank you.
0: (laughs) So from Henry and I at The Badminton Podcast, thanks for tuning in to this episode. If you've enjoyed it or found it useful, be sure to share it with your family, friends, teammates, and someone outside your badminton circle too. Because with your help, we can show the world how incredible badminton is. To keep up to date with new episodes and who we're interviewing next, make sure you connect with us on Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn at The Badminton Podcast and on Twitter at The Badminton Pod. Feel free to contact us and ask any questions, give us feedback, or request topics for future episodes. We love hearing from you. And remember to check out and shop for your simple and minimalist badminton gear at volantwear.com. Catch you on the next episode. Bye. Bye.